Well, hey everyone, good afternoon, good day, good evening, whatever time you're listening to this. Yeah, it could be midnight. I don't know. I can't can't say good afternoon. Uh, but good day. How are you guys? Good day. Glad that you are here. Uh, my name is Ben. That's Christian. Hey. This is our production of Overtime. Overtime is our weekly podcast where we get to do a little bit deeper dive into the weekend message. So this past week, Christian was sharing our brand new series that we were kicking off. Christmas checklist. So he's here, going to kind of give us a recap and talk through kind of the scriptures that we used. Um, but one of the things that we always like to do is to, uh, one, encourage you, if you ever want to ask any questions, you can do that. If you join us live, if you're watching this live, you can just type in the chat feature of whatever platform you're on, whether that's our website, uh, if you're on Facebook, if you're on Twitch, uh, if you're on YouTube, you can just type that and we'll get that. We'll be able to see that here. Uh, so don't be afraid to say hi. Also, you can email us overtime at clcfamily.church. Last I checked, we didn't have any questions for today, so we'll just kind of jump into the scripture verse conversation, see how long that goes. When we're done, we're done. The other thing that we like to do whenever we start these is to let you know some of the upcoming events and the things that we have going on within the church. So one of the things that we really want to highlight is our Christmas webpage. So if you go to clcfamily.church slash Christmas, mm -hmm. or you just go to clcfamily.church, you'll see at the top of the page, there's kind of a link uh, where it says Christmas. If you click on that, that will tell you everything that is happening in and around the life of the church as we draw closer to Christmas. So you can see Christmas Eve service times mm -hmm. at five and seven. You can see uh, there's a hymn sing coming up on the 12th. Um, you can see there's some uh, ways that you can jump in and serve the community by giving to Oxford uh, Lighthouse. There's also a, um, Donna Elmore is doing a gift. Twin Pines, Twin Nursing, Pines Home Nursing Home. So there's a lot of different ways that you can serve, that you can go to a service, or that you can just kind of be aware of what's happening within our community and get information about our services. So we would encourage you to check that out. That is live. If you have any questions, you can email us, just info at clcfamily.church or even overtime at clcfamily.church. And I'll put Ben's phone number in the comments where you can text him. Yeah, too. sure. That's fine too. Um, the, yeah, so we want to encourage you to that. The other thing that we just want to bring to your attention is that this coming Sunday on December 12th, one of our pastors, Gary, is resigning as he's kind of moving on to whatever God is calling him to next, um, taking a little bit of time off in there. So we are having kind of a goodbye reception for him. So if you would be interested in being part of that, we would love to have you be a part of that. It's right after the 9 a.m. service. So probably about 10 o'clock, 10, 15-ish, we'll get started, kind of have a reception for him, thank him for all he's doing. We are encouraging our church to maybe give a card, um, write some encouraging notes in there. If you want to give kind of a gift in there, financial gift if you'd want, or any type of gift that would be meaningful or impactful for him. And you can drop that off in the office anytime this week if you can't make that reception kind of on Sunday. So those are the two announcements. Um, like I said, for Christmas, there's a lot going on there. Yes, and then yes. there just seems to be a lot going on uh, everywhere. Which is perfect for our series that we're in. Yeah. So Christmas <laughs> checklist. So uh, if you do have questions, let us know. Or like I said, if you're watching us live, you can jump in and do that. So Christian, you opened up the series for I us. Did. Uh, do you want to kind of give us a recap of what we talked about? Yeah, I can try. Uh, yeah, so we started a new series called Christmas Checklist, and uh, it's absolutely no secret that, you know, over the next couple of weeks, some of you are super overwhelmed. You're stressed. There's just a lot 
going on. And so kind of what we were hoping to do with the series is to kind of cast a vision um, to figure out, hey, what are the most important things? What things absolutely do we need to keep uh, kind of on the radar for this holiday season? Because when life gets busy, which I feel like it's always busy. <laughs> Maybe the holidays is just a little extra just with uh, with uh, yeah. with some uh, tinsel on top, right? <laughs> um, but uh, what we find is, is when we get busy, we kind of... Uh, we kind of sacrifice important things sometimes. We might give the ax to things that we should not give the ax to. We might, you know, neglect the non-negotiables. And so what we want to do in this series is just to kind of cast a vision and say, hey, um, let's not neglect the non-negotiables. Let us actually uh, prioritize some of the really important things instead of getting lost in the hustle and bustle of things. And so um, we're continuing on in Luke uh, for this series. And each week the idea is we're going to kind of give you one thing that we believe, very biasly, but we believe should be at the top of our Christmas checklist this year. Something that we should not we should not finish the Christmas season without having done these things. And so this week, the first one that we talked about was expectation. I was going to uh, jump in and go, the first thing we talked about was bakala. Yeah, bak- you said it wrong. It's, I don't know. I'm not great. baklava. Sorry. We're going to all work on it. I don't even know what it is. It's so good. You've never had I don't know if I So if you're watching this, go ahead, Google baklava right now. It is a delicious pastry. Um, um, My family's Greek, and my mom makes the best baklava. And uh, it is, uh, it's seriously, it's so unhealthy Sorry, that was such an ADD moment that I just completely I'm just disappointed that you said it wrong, but that's fine. (laughs) Uh, But it's so good. A lot of butter, a lot of sugar. Uh, I, I don't know if you can get it like the normal grocery store, but anyway. I don't know if I've ever had it. Yeah, so that is, it should be on your list, but it won't, you know, it won't go on top of the, the four things Does here. that mean that I can make mommy, maybe your mom's baklava list if I haven't had it? Is that enough? No, uh, so I don't need, she kind of retired doing that uh, you know, a couple that of years sense. ago. Yeah, that yeah. Um, so she, uh, yeah, but no, it was delicious. That was part of my sermon. If you want to figure out how <laughs> that made it into the sermon, go ahead, check it out. Sissyfamily.church slash media. But uh, yeah, so we all have these lists of things that we're trying to do. And the first thing that we recommended, you know, above the the. Christmas invitation list, the Christmas Eve invitation, you know, the the Christmas card list, shopping list, to-do list, all that stuff. I even said uh, comically, I was like, maybe this will be an appropriate joke to say. And I said, we have our liquor list. Like some people have a liquor store list. And that fell flat, man. And so, but the second joke after that was, you know, there's Santa's naughty and nice list to try and, you know, hopefully just convict people to, anyway. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) So... Above all of that stuff, we have to consider what is it that God would have us do, right? How can we go about the season and not really miss out on the whole purpose of it? And I know it sounds kind of cliche, but it's really important that actually we lean into that stuff. And so the first thing on the list was expectation. And we were in Luke chapter 17, verses 20 to 37, which is uh, the story of Jesus telling about the coming kingdom, uh, the kingdom of heaven. The second coming is how a lot of us kind of know it. And it's just this idea of what we can expect. And so this idea of expectation, um, when we have, when we expect something, it kind of stirs up in us or it gives birth to action in our lives, right? Like when we're expecting something, it might stir us up to live differently today. And so the whole premise was um, Jesus came 2,000 years ago and started, it was the first Christmas, and he ushered in the kingdom of heaven. Now we await a second Christmas where he comes to finish the job, right? To come to finish uh, ushering in the kingdom of heaven in fullness um, where there'll be no death, no pain, no hurt. And uh, our role now, as we wait, is to just live with expectation 
and that expectation should give birth to um, to action, to doing something, to living differently. And so um, that's kind of uh, a spark notes version yeah. of uh, what we talked about this Sunday. Yeah, and we always do, like Christian kind of already mentioned, this is always kind of the, the second part of the message. So we always want to encourage you to go online if you haven't already and watch or listen to that first sermon because it'll make a lot of sense. Some of the yeah. stuff we may recover, um, but a lot of it is just trying to kind of have a conversation. This is kind of a long podcast mm-hmm. or long form podcast of the Sunday message, which as communicators, it's a little bit easier to have somebody else in the room to kind of be able to talk through ideas, to be able to answer some questions. So hopefully it gives additional insight. So always want to encourage you to check out that first part and then let this be kind of a second part. So if yeah. you are watching this live, you can always pause this. We'll, it'll be posted online. You can come back to it later if you yeah. choose. So I'm sure no one understood anything about baklava when you first said it. <laughs> just <a> yeah. <laughs> and we did just get somebody that is joining us now. They said, uh, this honey baklava is Flaky. Did I say it right that time? You did say it right. All Good right, job. Baklava. Well See, done. That was really good. Yeah, he's uh, learning. Crispy and tender, and I love that it isn't overly sweet. It's basically part of your mouth. I'm a huge fan of baklava. Way so, to go. Yes. Thanks, LK. Yeah. Uh, save me a bite yeah. if you would, because I don't know if I've ever had it, but that might be weird. Some people make the honey. Me. My mom actually made a homemade syrup. It was just unreal. So but it's a flaky, but it's got a syrup on top of it? It's, or it's it? like layers. It'd have a phyllo dough layer. We'll get back to the podcast, I promise. Yeah, sorry. Uh, Hang on one second. <laughs> it's like a layer of phyllo dough, and it's all like layer of phyllo dough. She coated it in butter, then put a layer of like pecans and sweets, like crushed, like totally okay. crushed. Another layer of phyllo dough, butter, pecans and sweets, like 20 times. 20 times, and then at the end, she would like pour this homemade made syrup on it and it would soak up so it, in the dough it's and like she'd bake it not really so it's like a, it's it's a a phyllo dough is almost like a paper like a, 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 a dough paper papery. paper made of dough basically she just lay that on with butter and pecans and then pour the syrup like you'd have okay. to chop it then pour the syrup oh my gosh so good Right. Anyway, well, anybody out there that wants to get me a bak- baklava <laughs> or at least send me a picture of it because I'm too lazy to Google it, apparently. And that concludes um, the podcast for yeah, today. Thanks for coming. We'll see you next Hope week. You're, no, <laughs> just kidding. Uh, yeah, so I, for, I forget even where we were going with that. Uh, but. Me too. <laughs> I, so let's jump back to the series. Yeah. So as you started, you gave a countdown, which stressed me out. Yeah, okay? that was the goal. So the countdown yeah. was uh, at was that time. At the time, 19 hours. It was Sorry, 19, 19 days. days, 14 hours, and yeah. like 36 minutes until yeah. Christmas. That's yeah. that's stressful. And yeah. and that was to your point, yes. like you said, that you're trying yeah. to kind of set this this tension. And honestly, I'll probably share this when I speak in a couple of weeks. But like the day after Thanksgiving, I went out with my family to a restaurant. Yeah. And they're posted on the door. It said... 20, 29 days. I forget the count, but it was 29 days till Christmas. And it literally, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it literally like punched me in the gut. Like, oh, (laughs) Oh, I haven't, like at that point, I feel like Thanksgiving was just over and I hadn't even thought about Thanksgiving yet. Like yeah, that's, yeah, right. that's how I felt. Like, like not mentally in Thanksgiving. Now I got to worry about Christmas. Yeah. yeah so yeah. it was, it was a little bit of a, a, a gut check for me, yeah. but, but I think that that's why this season is so important to talk about and to slow down. Like yeah. even that was even part of my message from the previous week mm-hmm. of just going, Hey, in this season, don't allow the hustle and bustle to cloud or to get in the way of what God wants to do and yeah. what he wants to teach. And what's interesting is as we do this Christmas checklist, we're still working through our Luke passage. So we're taking kind of normal passages in Luke, Mm -hmm. but we're also pulling out kind of what we see these people 
um, we're working through. So yeah. I want to jump into kind of that was a long segue kind of into uh, the passage of what we we were talking about. So we were in chapter 17 of Luke um, and we picked up from basically where we left off the, the previous week in verse yeah. 20. So um, it's talking about the kingdom. If you have the headers in your Bible, this mine says the coming of the kingdom. Mm-hmm. Um, verse 20 says this. It says being asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, he answered them. The kingdom of God is not coming in ways that can be observed. Mm. And I'll just read a little bit and then kind of pause. It says, nor will they say, look here, here it is, or there, for behold, the kingdom of God is in the midst of you. You had drawn out some points of specifically the Pharisees asking this question. Mm-hmm. Was there anything more that you wanted to talk about or even mention here about the Pharisees? Because it seems like an innocent question yeah. enough. Yeah. But you kind of alluded to that it probably wasn't. Yeah. I think most of the time we hear from the Pharisees, it's seldom, like not saying every single time, but seldom is it like just an honest, genuine yeah. curiosity that yeah. they have. Um and I think sometimes we do that to God, where it may be unknowingly, where we're trying to demand something from God because we have an expectation of God, and God doesn't meet our expectation in one way. And so I think theirs, theirs was a question of expectation because um, they didn't understand what Jesus was doing. And the, tr- the interesting part is, and I didn't talk about this a ton on Sunday, um, is that they, it wasn't almost that they couldn't see the kingdom of God. It's almost that they refused to, because if you go back weeks of our sermons, uh, a lot of them have, have had to do with Jesus telling people the kingdom of heaven is here. Like this is not the first time Jesus was talking about the kingdom of heaven in the presence of the Pharisees. And so the fact that they're still kind of asking questions or they still, have no clue what Jesus is talking about. They are not getting what he's kind of giving them. Uh, might show us that it's not that, again, that Jesus is doing a bad job at teaching about the kingdom of heaven, but perhaps that they just have this expectation that is so ingrained in them that they cannot sacrifice it, that they cannot let it go. Yeah. Um, and so they refuse. It's not a not an inability to understand the kingdom of heaven, but it's more of a refusal to understand yeah. the kingdom of heaven. And one commentator that I uh, read, and I told you this about the, uh, you about this as well, is that. Um, you know, if you look at the passage before this one, uh, when Jesus healed the lepers, yeah. uh, one of them came back to him and acknowledged his his being God and acknowledged, you know, what what it is that Jesus was doing that he was the son of son of God here to bring about the kingdom. And so, this leper got it in the verse before he understood what Jesus was doing. Yeah. Why can't the Pharisees do that? And so I think that's it, it goes back to, you know, our expectations um, and our being willing to. Um, being willing to believe that God can work outside of our expectations. Uh, and I think sometimes when we refuse to think that way, we put God in a box. And in some ways we don't follow that God. And so that's what we see happen here at the Pharisees with this question. It's not one of curiosity, but it's more of to undermine Jesus, to ruin his credibility yeah. so that people would not follow him. Um, and it was one of expectation, where, you know, because he kept saying, like, kingdom of heaven is at hand. And so I'm sure they're looking around like, I don't see no kingdom, right? And we talked about this too, like usually when a kingdom came about in that time, you had things that would, you know, be markers of a kingdom. You'd have an army, there'd be a population, you would have land or some sort of power. Uh, Now, of course, Jesus has all the power in the world, um, but he just did not display it in a way that people would expect. And so um, Jesus kind of undermined their expectations. Jesus did things in a way that they did not expect. And as a result, they missed it. And, uh, and Jesus is saying, hey, don't miss this. So um, 
Yeah. Did he just send yeah, you a LK, video? I appreciate it. He just sent me a picture <laughs> yes. of Baklava. Here we and, are back. Yeah. And honestly, I don't, sorry, here we are back. My, my ADD. Uh, Doesn't it look so good? I don't think I've ever had it. Oh I, my gosh. So you I see just, that top layer, you kind of peel it off and it still almost look the same. Yeah. Depending on how I good you were. I don't think I've, I've ever had it, but that looks delicious. <laughs> I would try it. I'm sure so. some people are like, I'm not, I'm not worrying about the podcast now. I'm fine. Yeah. 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 If you're driving to work or something, listening to this, and now you're super hungry. We apologize. I'm, I'm not so sorry, sorry at all. Yeah, Christian's not, but I, I feel bad because I've, I've chased the rabbit way yeah. down the hole. <laughs> um, yeah. What, what I think kind of going yeah. back to your comment, what I think is interesting, and we were even kind of discussing it this morning, just a little bit before our staff meeting. Like what's so interesting is that I feel like so many times as you read through Luke, mm-hmm. you're seeing Jesus talking and teaching to the Pharisees again and again and again and again. Mm-hmm. And so much that you wonder like how many Pharisees were there? And there wasn't all that many. There was like yeah. 6,000 in and around Jerusalem and kind of in that, um, in that area. Um, and then also when you think of, I think it's John that says, you know, that this is just a part of what Jesus's ministry and his teachings were. Like if you were to collect everything that Jesus did, like a book wouldn't be able to contain it. So Mm -hmm. what I, my mind naturally goes to was like, how many times did Jesus say the same thing over and over and over again to these Pharisees? Because Luke, as he's recording it, you see it quite a bit. Like, it's kind of the same message over and over and over again. And I think that you're right. I think that there is a refusal or uh, not wanting to see Mm -hmm. who Christ is by these Pharisees and wanting to ridicule. And, And for me, I just can't help wonder, like, man... How did they, was there a group that, were they different Pharisees in different places? Like, was there a group that followed and just kind of, (laughs) they heckled Jesus as he taught and like they were just trying to discredit him? I don't know. There's a ton of different thoughts in that. But I think, I think that you're right. But I also think when you look at the end of 20 and 21, Jesus's answer to them is, is confusing. Right. Like, so they go, okay, so when's the kingdom of God coming? And Jesus's answer is the kingdom of God is not coming in ways that can be observed, nor will they say, look here, here it is, or there for behold, the kingdom of God is in the midst of you. Yeah. That would be confusing for these people that are hearing this and going, okay, we can't observe it. And it's here. Yeah. What? Because again, they're thinking of a physical kingdom, yeah. like they're going to overthrow the government. Yeah. So I, I know that you talked a bit about this of going, you know, Jesus wasn't the only, I'll say Messiah. Jesus mm-hmm. was the true Messiah, yeah. but there was many that came before and that after. claimed yeah. and after that claimed that they were the Messiah and they were coming to liberate the, the Jews from the oppression of the Romans. But all of their revolts um, pretty much ended with their death. Yeah. So is there anything more that you wanted to talk to Jesus's answer there and even kind of this idea of other false messiahs? Yeah. I remember when I first started this idea of like other false messiahs, I was like, what? Like that that happened? It was kind of jarring because I was like, I thought Jesus was the only one that came forward. But you know, the more you think about it, don't we have that like every day, even today, like just all all these things that are claiming to be the thing to save us, to fix this problem, to fix this ailment, yada, 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 right? And so that's not an entirely 
um, new thing, and so we shouldn't be surprised that it is an old thing, that it's even happened in the time of Jesus, that people came forward and said, I am the key, I am the key to salvation here. So, um, yeah, so um, it's interesting because all, all of Jesus' teaching does kind of correspond with what we find in the Old Testament too, which he makes reference to a lot of that too. And so there's there's pictures and images that we get in the Old Testament scriptures of this one who is to come to save and redeem um, the world, right? And um, and yeah, and so I think uh, when he says that it's among you, that did it did meet their expectations too. Yeah. But what Jesus was trying to get at is, um, and I don't think, this is why I showed the Bible Project video. In fact, if you've not, uh, I would encourage you just to go back to the sermon, just to watch that video if you need to, because yeah. it does a really good job at illustrating this idea of there's two, they call it God space and our space. God space is what we think of as heaven, which is perfect without flaw. And then our space, the world, which is super messy and broken. And the picture of the Bible is they start out as one, right? That's the Garden of Eden where yeah. we got to share space with God. Sin happened, so it kind of broke these two realms apart, if you want to call it that. And the whole picture of the Bible that the Bible Project depicts is is God trying to bring those spaces back together. And so it started that process at the first Christmas with Jesus. And he says that for the kingdom of heaven is here. Like actually what God is doing, he's bringing heaven back to earth. Yeah. One day that'll be the permanent case, but he's starting it now through this baby Jesus. Yeah. And so the circles are kind of overlapping. The spheres are overlapping. Um, and, uh, and so when God's saying the kingdom of heaven is here, it's actually like literally like uh, pockets of heaven are here on earth and we can experience that. Um, you know, I'd like to think that if we've ever experienced profound joy, even amidst craziness, right, or profound um, peace that's just unexplainable, I would argue that maybe that's a pocket of heaven that we are experiencing here on earth. When we experience healing, when someone's maybe, uh, when me, even with medicine causes someone to be healed from a disease, if they if they become whole again, um, you know, that's just a pocket of heaven that we can experience on earth. And so Jesus is saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And, um, and wherever Jesus goes, that kingdom goes. But then um, even some passages say the kingdom of heaven is also within you. This idea that this belief and expectation that we have of what God is doing, that we can actually participate in that and, and, and bring heaven to earth, right? And to have to show people tangibly through how radically we love them little pockets of heaven and say, this is what we can expect when God establishes his kingdom in fullness. And so, um, so yeah, when he says the kingdom of heaven is here, I think he's quite, it's not, I don't know, I don't believe it's a metaphor. I think he's yeah. quite literally saying, this is starting, like this is yeah. happening. The kingdom of heaven's on I'm earth. Here. <laughs> yeah, and one day God's gonna finish the process. Yeah. Um, but until then we hold on to eager expectation, but we don't we don't remain complacent. Um, we actually get to participate in bringing the kingdom of heaven to earth and inviting other people yeah. along. And so that's why expectation is at the top of our list because it's easy to go through Christmas and not think about that at all. Yeah. That we are, we're celebrating the first Christmas, but we're also waiting uh, yeah. for a second Christmas. And so we should be kind of celebrating in anticipation of that and bringing other people along. And so when Jesus says the kingdom of heaven is here, he literally quite means it. Like <laughs> there, we can experience heaven in some ways right now, yeah. just not in fullness until God comes again. So. Yeah, and I, I would agree. I think that that video was a fantastic video. So it, it's even worth just finding that video. If you yeah. well, if they search for that. Yeah, if you we'll, search, that's a great question. Uh, search the Bible Project, and I believe it's called like Kingdom of Heaven. Okay. It, it, it should be one of the first ones. Great fact. video. I would, I would definitely encourage you to watch it. Now, I did have somebody, because there's, <laughs> it's pretty funny. Oh, in sorry. There. Heaven and Earth. Heaven that's what it's Earth. called. Uh, the Bible Project, Heaven and Earth. That's the video. Sorry. So in it, I missed it, but apparently at one point, like as they're explaining what 
what happened during the fall. Like Adam, and it's blurred out, you don't see it, but yeah. Adam like lifts his middle finger to Jesus yeah. or assumably that's what happens because it's behind a blur. Yeah. And there there was like Someone with the, the sacrifice where they like cut cut the head off the, the lamb. Somebody did text me and go, is Christian trying to get fire? Oh, and I was like, no, I I know who it he's was, fine. They, texted me too. they probably did. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like, no, he's... He's not. Yeah, you I know, it was, it was a little, uh, you know, some people might label it edgy because, you know, it is. But in essence, they're trying to yes. encapsulate what, yeah. what, it, what it's like. And I've heard, you know, even Pastor Josh, when he's here, explained it in this way. Like, you know, sin is kind of just kind of like giving your finger, to, giving the yeah. middle finger to God. It's basically right. you choosing your way over God's way. And so in the video, they do depict that kind of happening. Yeah. But it is blurred out um, and stuff like that. But, uh, yeah, I was... I was like, should I ask them about this video? And we'll just see how it goes. So, yeah. So it was, yeah, it was the naked people in the Garden of Eden. Yeah. Which obviously, they're stick figures. Yeah, didn't yeah, see yeah. anything. Yeah. Like, I didn't and, even think of that one. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, yeah, and actually, I think I, the first p- person that I heard say that was Tim Keller yeah. in the book Prodigal God. Yeah. Um, and just kind of talking about how this father or this son would have been doing that to his father in yeah. the story of the prodigal son. Yeah. So anyway, so I, I thought that it was a great video. And yeah. that answer is an interesting answer. So I feel like kind of in response to here's the the Pharisees that asked this question, Jesus answers it, but then he goes into a deeper teaching and mm-hmm. an understanding. Like it's more explaining. Would you would you kind of agree with that? Or, or is that a mischaracterization of, of Jesus teaching it? Yeah. Yeah. Um, Sorry, I was my, my, mildly distracted because my laptop died, so all my notes are... <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, um, no, you're good. So yeah, um, yeah, kind of like what everything Jesus does, uh, and I think this is why we have these these moments documented in Scripture, um, because it could have been a casual conversation, and Jesus could have said, like, yeah, the kingdom of heaven's here, like, what's it to you type thing. <laughs> um, but you always see he, he, he goes deeper. Yeah. Um, he's trying to teach his children, and he tries to teach them over and over and over, and they don't get it. Um, but actually, at that point, he does shift his attention away from the Pharisees. Yeah. Some scholars saying, hey, the Pharisees could have walked away. It wasn't an answer they liked, so they pieced out. Or he's really trying to just help his disciples at least get this, if mm. anyone's going to get it, right? And so he turns his attention to them and kind of dives deeper and tries to paint a picture of what can be expected. Um, and we see, he's actually, I think he's even trying to speak to problems that are occurring even in that day and age, right? Because if we do believe, you know, what the historians say are true and that a lot of other people came forward as Messiah, then, of course, Jesus would try and remind them and say, hey, um, let me remind you uh, that there's a lot of false messiahs. Like, people are going to come up to you and say, I'm back. Like, Jesus is back. Like, he's over here. He's over here. Like, that's not going to be the case. You're going to know it when you see it. And so then he kind of goes on this teaching of, what will we know when we see? And so uh, he goes on to kind of paint pictures of what the second coming will look like, right? Mm. And I think it's so fascinating that like the God of the universe like picked this idea of like, how are we going to start ushering in the kingdom? Let's, you know, enter the world as a baby. Like it's just going to be <laughs> meek and mild and so, you know, peaceful. Uh, and then uh, and then the way that it's going to end is, just, is much more like visible. Like it's, yeah. it's something that you can, like no one's going to miss it. You can't mistake it. Um yeah, which I just think is super fascinating. But then I think, just a little side tangent, but I was thinking about this, the, even the way that Jesus comes back to um, bring uh, restoration, to finish this job he started, is in Revelation we do get one image of this slain lamb that's actually living and, and moving around, but it's like covered in blood, which is terrifying to think of. But it's this idea of um, the, the that he's finishing the job, right? Mm-hmm. That when the second kingdom is coming, um, 
who who's holding the answer? It's the the slain lamb, which we understand to represent and be Jesus. So I just thought that was kind of fascinating because even yeah. in that way, it it it, uh, it exceeds our expectations. Like yeah, I, yeah. I don't think of God finishing the job like with this image of a, a slain lamb, like a yeah. slain savior, right? Um, so it's just you know I think we always have to be cautious, and this is why I try and even sometimes when I teach scripture. Um, like I even mentioned, you know, sometimes we have this expectation of this is what it's saying, but let's be cautious. Let's not hold so tightly to our expectations yeah. and let's kind of let God speak to us. And so, um, I think we just all have to be aware of what expectations we have, what we bring to scripture, what we bring to our faith, and then just, um, and let God speak to that and be faithful to listening to God in that as well. Cause yeah. our expectations, God's going to exceed them every time. And I think that's a good thing. I often wonder what it would have been like for the disciples, right? So as we talk about a savior, you know, the savior, the lamb of God, like covered in blood, we can think, okay, it was through the cross, through his death. We yeah. can see kind of this picture, but for the disciples who don't know the end of the story, they're living the story. Man, what would have been like for them? Because <laughs> their beliefs were probably very much matching the Pharisees, where yeah. their Messiah was going to come and was going to just overthrow the government. And yeah. that's not what Jesus is painting. So I so often wonder, I wonder what the disciples were thinking in that moment. Because then again, in 22, Jesus says to his disciples, so on this road trip that Jesus is on, and maybe we're referencing that too much, we're going to be calling January series ref, uh, road trip. But like on this road trip, Jesus is ministering, he's teaching, he's preaching, but he's also discipling. Mm. Like this is about the disciples growing and learning as well. So Jesus has a limited time here on earth and he's leaving the advance of this kingdom that starts so small in the hands of these 12 fishermen, yeah. right? Like into these hands of this ragtag group of guys, mm -hmm. not all 12 of them were fishermen, but like he's leaving us with them. And so he's teaching and he's pouring and he's explaining what the kingdom of heaven is like. And so I often wonder, man, what would it have been like, like in this what is Matthew thinking? What is Simon Peter thinking? What is Judas thinking? Yeah, like, yeah. as they're hearing this, is it connecting? Or are they like, that's nice, Jesus. And like, later on it connects. I, I don't know. Oh my like, gosh. wow, we left everything to follow Yeah, him? I mean, think about it. Yeah, they did. They, they yeah. left everything. Their practice, right? Their yeah. their, their jobs. Um, perhaps some of their families, like yeah. their home. Like, that's a, a big deal. And so uh, <laughs> to realize that, you know, Oh, this is what you had in mind for the kingdom of heaven, right? Um, yeah, which, you know, it says a lot. But even for us today, uh, like to, to make that practical, I feel like so many times I have an idea or a thought of the way that God is going to move or work, or I could see how God plays things out like this. And many times, many, many times, my expectation, it, it may come about like an expectation of God to move, right? Mm -hmm. Like that may come about, but usually it's not in a way that I ever ever thought would happen, mm -hmm. right? Like, so I feel like even for us today, like for many of us, we, we have an expectation that God is going to do something or maybe we're struggling with an expectation, but many times God doesn't do it exactly the way that we think he's going to. Yeah. And what do you do in the middle of that? I think that that is a yeah. great question to ask yourself. When God doesn't move the way that you think he's going to, are you still expecting him to move and to do something? Or is it, you kind of like are, are you're like the Pharisees where you're kind of like, mm, 
Yeah. I didn't get it, and I I don't want to I don't want to see the kingdom. Yeah. I think it's almost even modeled for us, like in scripture, because like yeah. we have these two parties. We have the Pharisees. What do they do? Well, they kind of said, okay, well, yeah. I'm not following you. Like that's it. Like that's stupid. They walked away every yeah. time. They were defiant, argumentative, yeah. um, and uh, and got Jesus killed for it. So they were not yeah. happy, right? Um, but then we have you know the disciples. They modeled it, even though it's funny they didn't even always get it. Like Jesus yeah. had to scold them a lot. Um, you know, I love, of course, right? Um, but uh, but they still kind of said, okay, like, don't really get it, and but I'm just gonna keep following. And I think uh, yeah. that's just what faith is. Like, we don't yeah. understand, we don't get it, but we keep taking the step of faith anyway. Yeah. Um, and a lot of the disciples did that up until Jesus died. Then a lot of them did flee, but then yeah, that's yeah. another conversation for another day. So we're uh, two verses in yeah. um, and about halfway done. And my uh, laptop is dead. So, so here, here we go. Just verse 22. So Jesus kind of answers the Pharisees with that. That answer 22. Uh, and I'll, I'll just read kind of a chunk. Please stop me if you want to yeah, kind no, of address you, anything. You keep rolling. Yeah, um, but yeah. it says 22. And he said to the disciples, the days are coming uh, when you will desire to see one of the days of the Son of Man and you will not see it. And they will say to you, look here uh, or look there or look here. Do not go out or follow them. For just as lightning flashes and lights up the sky from one side to the other, so will the Son of Man be in uh, this day. Um, but first he must suffer many things and be rejected by this generation. So we'll, we'll maybe pause there. So, mm. so again, it's a little bit confusing what he says to the Pharisees. And now it's even more confusing that Jesus is going, don't go here or there. But I felt like you did such a great job of explaining that. On Sunday, can you just maybe even repeat what yeah. you had said on Sunday concerning that? Yeah, so uh, we kind of talked about how, um, again, started with this question of expectation. And so Jesus is trying to clarify expectation. And so Jesus, of course, we believe in him to be all-knowing. And so he knows and anticipates that the Jews are going to experience great heartbreak, great pain, great loss. And a lot of scholars think of 70 AD, which is when Jerusalem was overthrown by Rome and the temple was destroyed and just the whole city was destroyed. Uh, but then also you could fast forward to 2021 and realize, you know, we live in a world where all of us experience great pain, great loss, great heartbreak. And in acknowledgement of that, Jesus acknowledges that a lot of times, and we've probably all experienced this to a degree, a lot of times when we experience loss, many of us look for something as a remedy. We look for something to save us. We look for something to fix the problem. We maybe make new idols, things that we worship and adhere to because we believe that that will be our ticket, yeah. that that'll save us. Uh, I mentioned a lot of us turn to our bank accounts. That's why we build them up so big um, for a crisis that almost never happens. Um, maybe we turn to a bottle because that helps us escape the pain, um, right? There's you know so many different things. It could be an addiction. We think we could save ourselves with our good works, right? And so um, Jesus acknowledges that all of us, his disciples then and the disciples today, us, would experience great heartbreak in a world that is not yet fully restored and redeemed. Yeah. And in acknowledgement of that, he recognizes you're going to want to look for so many other things that you will be convinced that they will save you. And it's funny, I think sometimes we read this passage and we're like, I would never do that, right? <laughs> I would I would never be dumb enough to like yeah, pursue. Right. But right. I think we have to be careful to never say never because um, we see this just happen all the time, right? And so we have to be very careful um, to, to figure out what in our life do I turn to um, to save me, to yeah. redeem me, to fix my problems that isn't Jesus, right? And so Jesus recognizes that and he says, don't turn all these things, right? Especially when Rome comes to destroy Jerusalem, don't turn to these things, right? 
20, you know, 2,000 years from now, uh, don't turn to these things. Um, and then he clarifies, you're going to know. You're going to know when the Savior is here. Like, you're, you don't turn anything in the meantime. Live with the eager expectation that God's going to finish the job and hold on to hope. And then one day, when it is to come, whenever that might be, um, you will absolutely, beyond a shadow of a doubt, know that this is the finishing of the job, that God is ushering in this kingdom forever. Uh, and then he gives these really cool images of, uh, and he's, it's a metaphor, right? Because he says, just as yeah. lightning flashes across the sky, right? We know lightning to be unpredictable and pretty huge. So Jesus' kingdom is going to be unpredictable and huge. Like you can't miss it. And then they say from the Matthew's account says from east to west, which implies the entirety of the sky. And so what Jesus is trying to get at is saying, hey, don't follow any false saviors. I promise when the kingdom is coming, when, when it's finishing coming, because it's already here, but when it comes in fullness, you will not miss it. Hmm. You cannot miss it. It will be so obvious that it would be impossible to miss. And so hold on to hope. Hold on to expectation yeah. that God's going to finish what he started. Like, don't don't turn to all of these other things. Um, you'll know when the time has come. So Yeah, I feel like that's such a great, like, and obviously this is the connection of going. Yeah. This is why we're talking about expectation, because this season you may find yourself in a, in a, in a huge struggle. Um, even just as a church, we're going, hey, we're right now, we don't have a senior pastor, right? So for some of us, that's uh, an uncomfortable, a difficult season, unpredictable. And so like, we turn to other things sometimes. Yes. Right? And I feel like as a staff member, I can easily start to turn to other things or my plan or this or that. Yeah. But even that, it's going, no, no, no. Just like we're waiting for Christ's return, we can trust in this time and in this season that God is doing something great, that he's in, he's got something in store that we can't imagine. So just like we wait for his second coming, we can wait for his faithfulness yeah. here every single day right now as we live out whatever difficulty yeah. we have. And I think it's easy to say and such a challenge to do. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It's difficult because expectation is very fu- future focused, right? Yes. And some of us, myself included, I'm not very patient, right? <laughs> I, want, I want the answers. I want clarity. I want control, yeah. which aren't great qualities myself. Right. Um, but expectation is something that we need to practice um, because that's what so much of the Christian faith is about. It's this expectation that God's doing something great and he's inviting us to participate. Um, but yeah, expectation is always a future focus. And I think that we just, uh, we forget that a lot. So yeah. Yeah. So continuing on in the verses, so uh, it says, so, but first he must suffer many things, be rejected by this generation. So he says the son of man uh, will be, so as lightning flashes from one end, one side to the other, so will the son of man be in this day. But first he must suffer many things and be rejected by this generation. Mm. And then he goes into a few like Old Testament examples. But Mm. is there anything that you wanted to add there? Or should I maybe jump into those Old Testament examples? Yeah, I can mention something real quick I couldn't mention on, I didn't have the time to mention on Sunday, but it's interesting because he's like, things are going to get a lot worse. Don't pick another savior. Um, But when I come back, you'll see it. But also things are about to get a lot worse, right? Because I'm about to be rejected and crucified. Obviously, that's not, while it's sad and terrifying, we know that that is his means of ushering in the kingdom of heaven. But what he's trying to, he's trying to reassure them and say, hey, things are going to get worse, but don't look for another savior. Um, This is what it's going to look like when I come back. But I want to let you know, things are going to get a lot worse, right? Because this person they've been following for three years is about to be crucified. And yeah. to them, that's that that's it. Like, they left everything for this guy, and now he dies. Yeah. So he's trying to let them know, once again, because he's told them this time and time again, things are going to get worse. But 
hold on to expectation. Because I was going to mention this earlier, what happens if we just don't have expectation? We might live for the for the present for today. Not right. saying that not saying that being present is a bad thing, um, but sometimes we forego thinking about the future, the consequences of our decisions today, uh, the impact of our decisions today. And so uh, if we neglect this practice of expectation, um, scripture even says like you're kind of short-sighted and blind. It's like looking in a mirror real close and then walking away and forgetting what you look like, right? Yeah. Um, and and so um, living with expectation, uh, yeah, we just, it, we're invited to do that. Uh, and he's trying to remind the disciples you need to live with expectation because I'm about to be crucified um, and it's crazy because a lot of them like once it happened they, they were shocked <laughs> it's like what just happened like yeah but so, again yeah. I like it must have been so crazy because again we read scripture and we know that Jesus is ultimately wor working to the cross like mm -hmm. that's as he's going to Jerusalem that's what we know but the disciples were living it and not yeah. seeing that but at the same time, they were because Jesus was telling him about it. Yeah. But it just, but isn't that a picture of what our lives look like, right? Yeah. Like, even if we know something's going to be t difficult or tough or hard, when we get in it, it's like, man, this is harder than I thought it would be. Yeah. And, and yeah. then that's where we're we're kind of in a conflict. Um, so continuing on, 26, this is where he starts to use some Old Testament examples. So 26 says this, Just as it was in the days of Noah, so it will be in the days of the Son of Man. They were eating and drinking and marrying and were given uh, in marriage until the day when Noah entered the ark. And the flood came and destroyed them all. Likewise, just as it was in the days of Lot, they were eating and drinking, buying and selling, planting and building. But on the day when Lot went from Sodom, fire and sulfur rained from heaven and destroyed them all. So it will be on the day when the Son of Man is revealed. And maybe we'll just pause there. So he gives two examples of... Of what exactly? So this Old yeah. Testament example of them kind of just living life until the moment of yeah. destruction. Yeah, so he's trying to help them understand what they can expect. Yeah. Um, which, of course, uh, you know, we understand that it's not yet happened. So the disciples actually didn't get to live to experience this, right? right, right. Um, and so I think he, the way I kind of understood it is he's trying to show them what rejection looks like. Because um, he's just talking about that a minute ago, but then also what this day looks like, um, and and the two things that come up are of course the rejection, but then judgment. Yeah. Um, and so rejection is interesting because uh, you know a lot of times we think of rejection as just total wickedness and just all these things, but um, mm -hmm. but in the way that he describes it, it's uh, sometimes we can just casually reject. Yeah. something right yeah. like we can uh we could just choose not to participate in something and prioritize building our own kingdoms because in this passage jesus isn't saying like you know judgment fell on them because they were wicked he's saying you know they were they were just going about their business building their own kingdoms being yeah. satisfied with you know um, the kingdoms that they've built and judgment fell on those people it wasn't you know those people um and so he tries to clarify like this this idea of rejection and the way that i i was really Thankful that I've stumbled upon the C.S. Lewis quote, and I'm I'm gonna botch it a little bit, but it's this idea of like it doesn't. It's from the Screw Tape Letters, one of his books, which is a great book. Um, it talks about uh, you know it doesn't matter how small the sin is, so long as the product of that sin is just to 
slowly edge man yeah. away from light and into what C.S. Lewis calls the nothing, right? Slowly away from God and into their own little kingdoms, yeah. into their own little, you know, the worlds that they've built totally separate from God. And so um, we talked about this a few weeks ago and I spoke on the topic of hell. Yeah. Um, is this idea of, you know, uh, it's not, hell's not this bad place for bad, or it's not a place for bad people where people who do bad things go. It's just this place of people who decided, I don't want to participate in the kingdom of God. I'm, I'm content in my own kingdom. And so God very lovingly honors our wish. Like he yeah. gives us what we choose in defiance. And uh, he gives us exactly what we've been fighting for, the kingdoms that we've been building. And so in this picture we have Jesus saying, hey, this is what rejection will look like sometimes. Yeah, it could yeah. be in sin and wickedness. But also it's just in just people being content with being their own mm -hmm. saviors. And, and it's not meant to be like a critical like criticism that Jesus is offering. It's more of just an observation or a matter of fact. Like if I choose to build my own kingdom and reject God's, um, it's just a matter of fact that I, I'm disqualifying myself for kind of saying, I don't want to be a part of your kingdom. Yeah. Uh, and so Jesus is trying to make an observation there. And then we get this picture of judgment, which we do understand the end days to be one of judgment. And I know we hear that word and we're like terrified. Like it's kind of a weird, scary word yeah. that we don't like using. Um, um, but I talked about this on Sunday. Don't we like judgment? Like, isn't judgment a good thing? Because all it is, it's, it's just making an evaluation of the way something is. It's mm -hmm. making an honest, it's taking an honest look at something and saying, this is what this is. It's calling, you know, calling the kettle. Uh, kettle. What I, I'm ruining the phrase. Pot calling the kettle black? That, Maybe. That I don't know if I'm using that in the right way. I know how to use it. <laughs> but it's, it's, a, it's like, it's just making an observation of something. Yeah. And, uh, and it's just kind of revealing the true nature of what that object is. That's what judgment is. And so once judgment has happened, once it's been, there's been an appraisal of the, the, the value of something, where people have built their kingdoms, then there's this idea of um, a, a destruction. Um, and they, they, the images that we're using, these stories are fire and water. Um, yeah, fire and water, those two stories that Jesus referenced. Um, but we, we even talked about a few weeks ago, right? Those images point to a reality of being disconnected from God, right? If I choose a life in a kingdom that is disconnected from God and God honors that wish, then I've chosen a life just totally cut off from the source of life, right? And so by nature, naturally, that thing dies, like to be disconnected from the source of life, it becomes less living over time is this idea that C.S. Lewis talks about. Um, and so all that to say, Jesus references these stories and says, what will the end days be like? People will reject me. Um, but it's not going to just be in wickedness, right? Which is what we would expect. Um, but it's also just going to be in just casual going about our business and not participating in God's kingdom. Um, and so as a result, God's going to honor whatever decision we make. God's not going to force us to do something we don't want to do. He's going to honor that decision that we make. And um, that judgment will take place where there's a separation. And if you, uh, you know, if you decide to participate in the kingdom of God, you will inherit the kingdom of heaven in fullness, just like God promises us and encourages us and invites us. Um, but if you decide you don't want any part of the kingdom of God, God will honor that wish. He will not force you to do it. Um, but the byproduct of that is being separated from the source of life. And a byproduct of being separated from the source of life is just death, right? And so, and so this is the picture he's trying to paint to say, here's what you can expect, um, but please participate in this ushering in the kingdom of heaven, which is what I'm here for, which is what I'm about to, you know, uh, move forward with in Jerusalem when I'm crucified and come, come back to life. So yeah, I want to, if, if we can, I want to park here just briefly for this idea of kind of building your kingdom versus yeah. the kingdom of God. Because I think if I'm being honest, I feel like this is one of my greatest fears is that I, in my 
lack of pursuit of Christ, I wouldn't probably classify it as that as I'm living life. I just would feel like the day-to-day things that come and show up and can be a distraction. Like one of the greatest fears is that I, I take my eyes off of Christ. How do we as believers make sure that we're not doing that? Like yeah. that's kind of a question of going because I don't want to build my kingdom, but yet I feel like my propensity is to easily be distracted by building my own kingdom yeah and then almost like a realization of going no no no, the kingdom of heaven and reprioritizing and refocusing so i didn't know if there's yeah. i know that that's probably a pretty heavy question yeah but no, any good, thoughts I, that you have i was thinking about that too because like you know uh <laughs> sometimes my least favorite part about preaching is i'm like i got you know i have to take a look at my life figure out like yeah. gosh like and, yeah. and i'm yeah. not perfect and i'll be the first to confess that but i think um i think what the the primary practice of a Christian is, is just like saying I screwed up again, like, yeah. and not this like not not this heaping on of shame and guilt. Yeah, that's not what God wants for us. But it's just an acknowledgement. Uh, the, uh, one theologian really he loved this prayer. Like um, uh, I can't remember what it is. It's a uh, Lord forgive me for I'm a sinner, something like that. Um, and so it's just this idea of every day, like come back to like God, I'm not going to be able to do this right. Um, but God, I pray that you continue to work, uh, work in me, that you continue to transform me. Right. Um, and just asking that God would continue to shape our hearts to look more like his, our, our lives to look more like his with the understanding that we will still mess it up. Um, and so I think, uh, I think God knows our heart. God knows our intentions. Um, and I think, honestly, I do think it's a, it's an everyday reorienting of ourselves. Yeah. Um, like, you know, uh, we see a lot of great mystics and a lot of great, um, theologians like they they had a kind of a, called a checklist item um, but more important than that just kind of this this ritual that they did every day where they reorient themselves they kind of block off all the noise um, to listen to God and then they live that day for God and they do it again the next day so it's kind of almost a, a training and a practice like right the practice of expectation how do we practice expectation well you know every day reorient yourself to what you can expect and then let that God, how it is that you live for um, the day, right? And we all have our rituals and our practices and stuff like that that we like to do for a lot of other things. And so I'm um, just thinking, so, and it looks so differently for so many different people. Um, but I think for me personally, I think it's just this constant reorientation. Because um, every morning when you wake up, one theologian puts it this way, you, you are... Um, bombarded by a bunch of other voices that tell you what, what you got to do, who you got to be, all these things every single day. And so just shoving all those out for a minute and listening to the one voice that matters mm-hmm. and just um, listening to God and letting that shape your day and then doing it again the next day, repenting and saying, I'm not doing this perfectly, but yeah. you don't, you know, you, you don't, good thing God, like Jesus died for me, right? Um, yeah. And so it's just this, uh, this faithful motion towards Jesus. Uh, and one person said, I can't remember who, I don't know if you remember this. Uh, it's like, you know, as long as, uh, uh, as long as um, Jesus is pleased with your stumbles, as long as like you get up and keep coming to him. Mm-hmm. And I remember getting this image as a, as a, as a youth ministry student actually here where, you know, there's this little boy running to his daddy and yeah. the little boy kept falling over, right? Um, but every time the little boy would got up and would keep running to his daddy, right? That's what the father wants is the boy to get up and run to his daddy. Um, what would be the problem is if the little boy stayed down, right? Yeah. And just didn't get up and didn't go to his daddy or actually got up and like walked away, right? And so um, I think God is God is pleased with our stumbles so yeah. long as we get up and, and pursue our daddy. So, yeah, yeah. I, think, I think that's good. I think that if you have that desire there of going, I want to reorient my life yeah. and the humility to be able to not allow pride to, no, 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 I can just do it in my own way. Yeah. Then you're walking in what God has for yeah. you, right? Yeah, and I would say we have to be careful that we're not doing this to earn the love of God. Yeah. Because the love of God's already there. The way I heard it is um, I don't, I don't, 
I don't worship God to earn his love. I worship God because of his love, yeah. because he loves me. And so I think we reorient ourselves to the love of Christ and yeah. realize how loved we are regardless of our performance. And we let that free us to love people well and to love God well. Yeah. And that in and of itself transforms us. But um, we're never going to get it perfect. So release yourself from the expectation that you have yeah. to. Yeah. Um, and just reorient yourself to a loving father and let that continue to transform you. And I think that's why we have community too. Because some days yeah. are going to be really hard. Some weeks are hard. Uh, you know, i got to tell people when I'm having a terrible week and I'm having a hard time loving people. Yeah. Um, and that's, you know, that's why God's given us the church and the community to yeah. help reorient us when I can't help reorient myself. But And I think that's, hopefully that's refreshing to hear that it, the, the reality is that you will always stumble, right? You you won't get it perfect. Mm-hmm. You just won't on this side of eternity, but that's okay. Like the stumbling God is pleased in as long as you're continuing to pursue after him to come to him. So yeah. I think that that's a great analogy. Yeah. So continuing on, we've got about 10 minutes left here. So uh, let me jump into, um, I think we left off in verse... 30, um, let me just read 29. So it says, um, but on that day when Lot went from Sodom, fire and sulfur rained from heaven and destroyed them all. It will be on the day when the son of man is revealed. Um, and then verse 31, on that day, let those, uh, let the one who is on the housetop with his goods in the house, not come down to take them away. And likewise, let the one who is in the field, not turn back. Remember Lot's wife, Whoever seeks to preserve his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life will keep it. And you talked about the house, kind of the way that a house would look like. So kind of if somebody's on the roof, you said that that was kind of the patio area, I think. So like the idea of you're not running down to collect your things because you're prepared and you're ready for the kingdom to come. Same thing if you're in the field, you're not running back and you're you're doing that. But um, And then we talked about Lot's wife who Mm -hmm. looked back. Anything else that you wanted to add to that? I think all of those images kind of point to like, you know, uh, we see this, see this verse in scripture, like uh, where your treasure is there, your heart will be also. Um, And so if our true treasure is Jesus, um, when Jesus were to arrive, wouldn't we just stay there and, you know, absorb that? Like, right. But, you know, if, if Jesus were to arrive, we're like, hold on, Jesus. Got to go get my iPod or something. I don't, they don't even make iPods yeah, anymore. Spotify. Uh, yeah, yeah, Spotify. Uh, right? So it's just this, I, as I kind of mentioned, it's almost this commentary of like, where's our kingdom? Like, where's our heart? Um, you know, uh, yeah, are we trying to straddle, like, participating in God's kingdom, but also trying to hold on to our own, right? Yeah. And, and I'm guilty of that, guys. Like, I'm, yeah. I'm sometimes guilty of straddling both sides. Yeah. Sometimes we want to give so God so much of our life, but not... Not not when it starts to get uncomfortable. That you know, I'm yeah. gonna hold on to that part of my life. I'll give God this, this, my Sundays, I'll give God, you know, some money um to the church, right? But I that's about all I'm gonna do. And God's saying, Hey, I want all of you, right? And I've heard this I heard this uh uh, this theological concept or idea in, in in college where it says like God can't redeem um, what is not assumed, right? God can't uh, God can't redeem and restore what He does not have, and so we see Him come in the form of a human because um, that enables Jesus and God, you know, to redeem and restore humans. Um, and so you know, uh, I guess it was like what is not assumed is not redeemed is the yeah. idea. And so um, you know, uh, God wants all of us so He can redeem and restore all of us. And but just like Lot's wife. And just like, you know, those people in these little parabolic images or these stories, um, they're kind of trying to straddle both kingdoms. And God's saying, hey, you, you, that's not going to work. Um, yeah. And that's where we get the big saying that we all know, like, if you want to keep your life, you got to lose the yeah. whole thing. Right, right. But if you want to lose your life, like, uh, if you want to lose your life, you'll, you, if you want to keep your life 
Yeah, I'm, I'm yeah, botching let, it up. Let me just yeah, read yeah. it. It says, whoever seeks to preserve his life, and this is the ESV version. I'm not sure if you use that. I use NRSV on yeah, Sunday, okay, actually. Sorry, yeah, yeah. so it's a different version from Sunday, but it says, whoever seeks to preserve his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life will keep it. Yeah, and so it's just the idea of, like, you know, your way, like, trying to straddle both kingdoms, like, ultimately it's just going to fail. Because in order to, to, to preserve your whole life, you have to give up your whole life. You have to give up everything. And that's just God making an observation. Like, he can't save that which you don't give to him. He can't redeem and restore that which you won't trust unto him. And so God's saying in order for this work to be complete, he needs it all. The whole gamut, as C.S. Lewis calls it. He needs, he needs the whole house and, and to, to transform it, right? And so, um, yeah, that's a hard thing for people to do because we like yeah. straddling the two kingdoms. And God's just saying... Hey, that's not going to work. And so, yeah. Yeah. So the NIRV, that's the version you said. Right, NRSV. NIRV. Is there an NIRV? There's way too many. Yeah, there's a lot of options, but I don't think I have NIRSV. NRSV, yeah. Oh, no. There I do. Here we go. So we're going to read verse 33 in the version that we read on Sunday. So this is what it says. It says, those who try to make their life secure will lose it, but those who lose their life will keep it. We try to make our life secure all the time with like yeah, yeah. money and a lot of other things, yeah, right? right? And so um, God's inviting us to maybe think differently, which goes beyond our expectation. Yeah, then, and, and that's a challenge like like we've already talked about, an everyday challenge. But I think it's good to reorient every single day. And I think as you were talking yeah. about that, for me, it's scripture reading, right? Yeah. Like if I can pause and read scripture, there's just something that, that makes me breathe out like, Okay, everything else doesn't matter in yeah. this moment, but but let me hear from my Lord and my Savior, yeah. right? So yeah. so for me, there there's that practice of trying to reorient my life around Scripture yeah. and God's Word and God's voice and allow it to impact every everything that I do. Yeah. So I think that's good. With just a few minutes left, I'll probably just read till the end. It says, yeah. "I tell you, on that night there will be two in one bed; one will be taken and the other left." There will be two women grinding meal together, and one will be taken and the other left. Then they asked him, uh, where, Lord? He said to them, where the corpse uh, where the corpse is, there the vultures will gather. So I, I loved what you said on Sunday, and you're like, there it is. <laughs> Merry Christmas. Have a great day. Like, just wrap up. It's like... So quite the ending. <laughs> it's quite the ending of going, okay, so Jesus is talking about there's two, one will be gone, like this idea yeah. of the rapture, which yeah. is where we get a little bit scared. And yeah. um, the Left Behind series, I'm sure, didn't help the theology of many people. Yeah. Um, so we get scared of that. But what is, I guess, bottom line it here as we close and any final yeah. thoughts that you have there? Yeah. <laughs> I don't even know where to start. Uh, Sorry, dude. I just clumped like no, four yeah. things together. He used like ten verses to talk about. <laughs> yeah, uh, just give me give me one sentence yeah. out of all those verses. Um, yeah, I think you know Jesus being so gracious and he's trying to help his disciples understand. And you know Jesus doesn't sugarcoat, which we should be super grateful, right? Yeah. The worst thing is having someone like sugarcoat something. You don't get the severity of something, and so yeah. Jesus is not going to do that. Um, he's trying to be candid and answer their question. He said, they asked, hey, where's this going to happen where people are separated, this image that we get? Uh, I mentioned on Sunday, like, you know, we bring a lot of, like, biblical ideas or maybe biblical baggage to the passage. We have to be so very careful that we don't do that. Because um, I mentioned even the, the word rapture is not mentioned in the Bible. Right. Um, and is the, the concept of the rapture was popularized with the combining of different verses. But anyway, you can talk to me in person if you want to hear that full <laughs> scoop there. Or, uh, or send any questions. Yeah, and I did actually talk about that in the last time I did overtime yeah. too. So if you want to get more of my explanation there, you can look to that. But um, 
But this idea of Jesus just trying to paint a picture of like, hey, this is, this is just something that is going to happen. And it, because naturally, like things that are different, that it can exist together have to be separated, right? You know, things that can exist together have to be separated. If someone's choosing their kingdom and someone, someone's participating in the kingdom of God, those kingdoms cannot coexist. Um, naturally, they have to be separated. And so we get this image of people being separated as a, as a, um, as an, you know, as a reflection of whatever kingdom that they subscribe to, or the kingdom that they spent their life building and, and pursuing. And so Jesus is saying, that's going to happen. And then they're like, where's that going to happen? Like, you know, what's, where's that going to happen? Who's it going to happen to? And then he says this cryptic, like, where the vultures go. Uh, what was it again? I'm always going to yeah. botch it up. It says this. It My says, laptop died. Uh, where, Lord, he said to them, where the corpse is, there the vultures will gather. Yeah, and so it's this idea of like, that's kind of like dark and scary, but we know vultures to go to things that are already dead, right? Mm-hmm. And they, what do they do? They consume it. And so judgment, the separation happens to those who are already spiritually bankrupt. And Jesus is not trying to be like graphic. He's not trying to be mean. He's just yeah. making an observation, right? Like the, the vultures will naturally go to that which is dead and consume it. In the same way, um, this judgment, the separation will happen to those who have said, God, I don't want anything to do with you. I don't want anything to do with your kingdom. We render them spiritually dead. Therefore, this judgment, this being consumed falls upon those who are spiritually bankrupt. And that's how he ends the passage. And again, he's trying to paint a picture. Why? To give them expectation. He's being so gracious and he's trying to show us what we can expect, um, but also he's trying to show us what we can expect so we can participate now. The image that I use is when, you know, when parents are expecting a baby, they're preparing the world around them for the arrival of that baby. They're preparing themselves for the arrival of that baby. They're preparing their car, their house, all these things for the arrival of the baby. And in the same way, we have expectation that Jesus is going to come back. Um, If it's not during our lifetime, we believe it's still going to happen. We believe that God's going to redeem and restore all that's broken. And so that should cause us to prepare ourselves, you know, grow more in the likeness of Jesus, prepare the world around us, you know, show others that they are so cared for and loved and to bring pockets of heaven to some dark spaces just like Jesus did. Um, so yeah, just something to think about. Uh, do you want to say, hey, thanks Harmony for jumping in. Uh, she was, uh, she said she loved the passion translation, yeah. the version. It says, all who are obsessed with being secure in life will lose it all, mm. including their lives. But those who let go of their lives and surrender them to me will discover true life. So thanks, Harmony, for jumping in. Really appreciate that. that and also, Elsa she said the, yeah. <laughs> uh, your Elsa reference of letting it go, letting it go, let God fill you with his life, his kingdom. Uh, it was great. So That's good, perfect. Good I appreciate you sharing that version. I've not seen that one before, but it doesn't even yeah. explicitly say, like, let it go, right? Yeah. Those who love that, that control and kind of, you know, having all that stuff, That's it's hard to do, but we got to let it go. So I appreciate you uh, sharing that version. That's really good. Yeah. Uh, any other final thoughts? Is that yeah, pretty much wrapping up? I'll say this. Um, Jesus doesn't teach with the intention to give anybody burden, hmm. or at least, you know, this is my understanding. Um, that Jesus is not trying to give people shame or guilt. Yeah. Um, Jesus is just simply giving an invitation to a party, and he wants us to participate and invite others along, and he did all the legwork. He did all the important work, and so I don't want anyone to walk away from, you know, a sermon like this or any sermon for that matter with more shame or guilt be like, oh, I got to work harder. Like that's not what Jesus is trying to yeah. get us to do. What is Jesus trying to do? He's just trying to get us to let go yeah. and let him transform us. He's trying to get us just to let go and let him redeem and restore us. Yeah. I can't redeem and re- restore myself. So I shouldn't have guilt or shame for my inability to redeem and restore yeah. myself. Rather, I should just let that go, reorient myself, let God transform me, and then do it again the next day. And that's yeah. how we live in expectation. So. 
And week three of the Christmas checklist, we'll talk about acceptance. And yeah, so you'll yeah. probably hear more of that. So I do want to say thank you for everybody that has joined us, whether you're watching this live, you catch it later. Thanks so much. We really hope that this challenges and encourages you. As always, if you have any questions, feel free to submit them to us via email overtime at clcfamily.church. You can text us 610-869-2140. Um, you can just email info at clcfamily.church. Pretty much just get in contact with us <laughs> any way that you yeah. can, and we'll be able to work through that, whether it's a message or a question regarding the current message or something that you're just kind of walking through. We love when yep. you interact with us. So thanks everyone for coming. We hope that you have a great week and we hope to see you next week. Adios. Bye.